Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome back to another exciting episode of uh, Thriller Bitcoin. Today we have on the show Topher. Um, Topher's a how's long time. Going? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Topher's a long time. I don't know, have you been in Austin that long? I feel like uh, I see you all the man, time. I've been here like since January. So since January? Yeah. Oh wow. Because you were doing you. I think I first met you at the hackathon, maybe, or did I meet you before that, or maybe like at a bit devs or something? I think it was bit devs. Okay. BitDevs was, I don't know, my memory's a little hazy around that time, but I think BitDevs was the first real meetup that I went to. Wow. And it kind of blew me away. Really? The first time I saw it. Really? What was it about? What was it about BitDevs? Speak. Let us know what it was. So was it, oh wait, did you go to the one in the commons or did you go to the Oda Unchained office? This was the one in the commons. Yeah, it was pretty special, that first one. I think it was. Yeah. It seemed a little rough, but in a good way. That's right. what I liked about it. Right. And uh, what blew me away about it most was the fact that uh, you weren't there to pray to church. You yeah. were there to talk about the real stuff of wow. what's going on. This is broken. That thing doesn't work. Hey, this is an attack vector. Hey, we really need to look at this and fix this. That's what really drew me in. Wow. So it was the aspect of like all these problems we need help solving kind of thing that, wow. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's like the real deal. Like I, I really do appreciate um, the hype and the signal that's going around on the outside of the community. I think that's amazing. Um, it's probably what has allowed Bitcoin to withstand all of the hate that is received, all of the death threats that's received facts over time. Uh, but on the inside, I still think it's at least this is where like I get my interest peaked is like, where's all the broken stuff? Like what needs to be worked on? How do we keep this thing going for real? So when I saw that at the bit devs, I, was, I just kind of had this special feeling where I felt like this is where I belong. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Not bad for my first meetup. No, it wasn't. That was, I remember like coming out of that first one in the commons and I remember going up to like Parker Lewis afterwards and I was like, now we have like the best bit devs in the country. And he was like, 
we always had the best bit devs car. <laughs> I was like, that's such yeah. a Parker Lewis thing to say, but it was like, I was like, no, it wasn't like, I don't think it was like, I think there was a lot of upgrades that it needed. And I think once they went to Bitcoin commons, it felt like complete. Like now we had this cathedral where they were talking about Bitcoin. And before it just felt like everybody was in a basement, <laughs> like suffering together. That's how I looked at it. But yeah, I, I definitely feel spoiled. Like, I don't think I went through the trials and tribulations that must have went down uh, before I showed up. Yeah, it was hot, dude. You'd go to a bit desk, it'd be like 150, 200 people in there. Everybody's sweating. <laughs> it was just like, there's just no AC. Uh, you would hear people like, can you say that loud? <laughs> like in the back. It was, um, it, it was the only, the people that were there were there because they wanted to suffer along with everybody else. Like it was, it was literally like, uh, almost like a cult where it was like, yeah, you, you're going to be there because like you're there for the right reasons. There, there'd be, and you would have like, some people would just like walk out. But I noticed that once we had the commons, it was like the same amount of turnout. Everybody's having a good time. There's like beer on tap. There's, I think there's food now too. So yeah, it was just food. like, yeah. Oh, I'm so spoiled when I go to bit devs. And there's then they have multiple screens too. Like they have multiple screens yeah. and then they put on a hell of a show. Like the, like the fan and buck, like they're amazing. Justin moon does an amazing job. Him too. Right. Yeah. And the fact now that he kind of like goes on tour and kind of helps other communities set up their bit devs is uh it's amazing. Like the, yeah. there are things growing and expanding that I'm not even, it's not even in my purview. Yeah. But there's all this work being done that it's all that's going to be come to roost someday. Like all the hard work that he's putting in and that other people are putting in to kind of expand the Bitcoin community, like the, the developer community, uh, which is what I care about most. And so it's going to be exciting to see like how that develops. I, I haven't really been to any other meetups outside of Austin. So besides wow. like Miami, um, I don't know how to compare this bit devs to like other bit devs. Mm -hmm. I assume like the one in Chicago should be pretty legit because yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. So I might have to make a pilgrimage over there. That would be cool. Yeah. What, uh, how did you get into, how did you get into Bitcoin? Like, I, I know, I know you, you were developing, um, just like just software dev right before. Is that, I was that? I don't really know your story. I don't know if you want to share it, but like, yeah, you, so seem very, a, you seem very mysterious, Topher. I have a pretty interesting backstory. So um, I got into computers when I was just a kid. Okay. So my grandfather uh, was an engineer. He was actually an architect. And uh, for whatever reason, he sort of pivoted uh, from doing like old school blueprints and architecture to working on a computer. And uh, I was really young at the time, so I wasn't really sure like what he was doing on the computer, but, uh, he sort of was my guide into that whole space. He bought me my first computer when I was seven. Um, he would stand next to me, um, while we worked on it together. So I'd upgrade the memory. I had like an old Aptiva, IBM 300 with like 16 megabytes of RAM and like maybe a 500 gigabyte hard drive, Pentium two, 
<laughs> just an absolute dinosaur. Yeah. I don't think it could run my microwave today. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty ancient machine. I remember when the Pentium Force came out, though, that was like a big deal. Yeah. Pentium 4. It's like, wow, we're going to the moon on this shit. Like everybody's going to the moon. Now. So we used to keep track of like megahertz and all those things. Yeah. And overclocking. Yeah, that was the thing, right? I don't know. If, it might still be. I don't know. Uh, it's still a thing, but now it's like, now the the computer does it all for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's so, like, again, I use this word a lot, but like, we're so freaking spoiled this day and age. Definitely are. Like, even overclocking, like the computer, it's like, it just does it automatically for you. And it's like, oh, don't worry about all having to figure out timings in your BIOS and all this other complicated stuff. We'll just do it. And if your computer crashes, we'll fix it for you. And then you'll, all you have to do is just uh, concentrate on playing Halo. Concentrate on that KDR, bro. Yeah, we would, de- we would deploy out like at my last job, we would deploy out like uh, Xeon, it was it Xeon processors, like through Dell. There would be all these workstations. And it was literally a question of like, okay, how much memory do you want as far as like, we knew we were going to get SSD as like the OS drive and then you're going to have another ex- external either inside of the, the case or whatever. You're gonna have another SSD in there, but it was like literally like how much memory do you want? And it was, yeah, it, was, it, was it was that it was like, it was, that was the only, uh, only question ever it was like 64 gigs, 32 gigs. And that was it. Yeah. That, that was the only question. Didn't have to worry about uh, compatibility of interfaces and yeah. And like literally parts would stuff. break down. And then if you got like, I'm not trying to shield Dell, but if you got like, you know, the four year warranty coverage, they would ship it the next day. So some of these hard drives would break down and then we would get it shipped RMA process and all that stuff. And then literally boom, lock it in backups are flowing. We're using storage craft all comes down five minutes. Yeah. We're really spoiled. Yeah. Automation has spoiled us. I have some things to say about Dell. It's actually related to my origin story. Um, so to get back to that topic, um, I got into computers when I was a really young kid Mm -hmm. and, um, sort of the path that I took was, uh, really just kind of screwing around. Um, I was into gaming. I was into internet culture. Uh, it was really just a pastime for me. Like I didn't take it seriously. Um, when I got much older, uh, and it started to become this thing like, oh, hey, you're really good at this. And most people are not, you know, you, that makes you valuable. So you should probably do something with this. So um, I actually uh, had a job at Fry's Electronics, which is a computer store chain in uh, LA. I think there are, I think there's one here. West Coast. I think there's one here. I don't know if it's closed down already. They might be. I don't know. They they also have their own interesting backstory involving like gambling and embezzlement. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I a lot of things on the grapevine working at Fry's. Whoa. But anyway, so I was working at Fry's and uh, just decided that, um, you know, I'm selling these computers to people. Uh, I can also set them up too. And so I was just like a young kid uh, with a dream. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll make some business cards and I'll just start handing these out. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, I remember getting my first client and like going to their house and they just, of course they had some nice trendy house in Manhattan beach and they didn't want to deal with setting up the machine. So they just had me do it. And this was in the golden age of where windows was at its worst. 
So like okay. everybody was uh, running on Windows Vista and it was such a oh, so terrible. garbage product that it allowed this opportunity for people like me to make tons and tons of money, just fixing all the broken things about Windows Vista. So they definitely I, repaid us with Windows 7 because oh, yeah. that thing was hard to upgrade for like, people did not want to go to Windows 10 from Windows 7, like pro. No. Yeah, they they, it, it was right. so good. Yeah, they had gotten it right on Windows like, 7. Why are you changing it again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't like going through these booms and bust cycles of like good OS days and bad OS yeah. days. They just want to, they just want to get to work. So you were literally like, you you created your own business basically, and you were just like uh, going out there, setting up computers, probably doing a little bit of software and like tech support stuff, like to these people that you you met through Fries. Yeah, that's cool. So I was bootstrapping that, and then uh, I got discovered by uh, a good business partner of mine. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to come on board with his business. And his business, uh, this is where Dell comes into play. Uh, his business was uh, working with this company called Installs Inc. And uh, Installs Inc. was this company that essentially was a way to do dispatching of jobs uh, nationwide. So if you were a tech company that worked with customers like B2C, and uh, primarily Dell, Sony, um, oh, yeah. Costco, like you name it. If you had some product that customers needed help setting up or installing or something, you could use Installs Inc. It'd sort of just be your on-ramp to having this ability to sell these services to your customers, these installation services, and like you as a company don't have to deal with it. Installs Inc. will take care of it. So... Uh, my partner, um, we went into business together and, uh, yeah, we were essentially getting these contracts left and right, like just dozens and dozens of contracts a day where we go out and, uh, we do these jobs and the money was flowing. It was great. Yeah. Because you literally are, I remember me personally, like whenever I'd have to do like a server replacement or, or whatever it was like, it, they would send you know, a tech, they would send a tech. Yeah. And, and so sometimes I just tell them just to drop it off. Like, I don't yeah. need you to, you know, to replace the drives. But like, is that, is that what you're talking about? It was just literally like you guys had contracts with all these major uh, yeah. facilities. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we were able to essentially plug into that uh, workflow wow. where all of that work was like coming to us. So we had our region, um, which was in Southern California. We had a pretty large region. Wow. And uh, we, our company built a reputation of being the, uh, like the Mr. Wolf. What's we were that? The, we were the fixer. Oh, okay. Pulp Fiction reference. Yeah. Yeah. So every time Dell would screw up or some other company would screw up with a customer and the customer was irate, they would call us. Yeah. We'd have to go in there and clean things up for them. And so yeah, we got a really good reputation from that. And, uh, from there, uh, we started just building up like we went from computers to a home theater and then from home theater to security oh, and then from security to like pretty much anything that was low voltage related. So like audio visual, um, access wow. control, networking, point of sale, alarm. Like wow. Tons so you kind of have a lot of experience in all those different kind of buckets I would imagine, right? Yeah. So we ended up uh, building a company that uh, at our peak, we were 
doing contracts for shopping malls, hospitals, um, hotels, uh, manufacturing plants, like defense contractors, you name it. Yeah. We were in the building. That's awesome. Yeah. Schools. Those are probably my favorite job sites for schools, helping build schools. Why, why is that for? Just because it's easier to roll out or? Um... Um, so uh, there were a number of charter schools that we had deals with where uh, they would secure funding from the state and then they would use that money to build a school. And these were schools being built in the inner city. And so oh, these cool. were really rough places where they, the security was paramount. Because they were trying to not only you know, keep the kids in, but like keep the, the gang members out. Wow. And so um, those were the jobs that I, I loved the most. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, bringing a computer to a kid when they're young, you know, probably like a changes coolest, their life. Yeah, it changes their life. Yeah, it definitely yeah. puts them ahead in life. I feel like these iPads, I don't feel like they do the same thing to these young kids. I've seen my nephews and nieces grow up with iPads and I'm just like, it's not the same effect as it has on, on like when we had our own laptops or computers growing up, like I remember building websites or getting into like Photoshop or GIMP or whatever it was like, just because you actually had to use like you had a keyboard. And yeah. A mouse. Keyboard and a mouse. You had these yeah. input devices, but I feel like the only input device you have on your iPad is just like a camera and like your finger and it just, it's just I mean, more she, consumption than anything. Yeah. You can do some stuff with that, but it, it does seem like, sort of skews towards consumption mm-hmm. rather than being able to like produce stuff. Let me ask you a question real quick before we continue on with your story. As far as like your consumption these days, I, and the reason I ask is because I'm trying to get, trying to get like, I'm asking different people just like how they consume because I'm trying to see if my metric is off personally. Like how much do you consume as far as like just entertainment or like, um, TV or Netflix, you know, Netflix or anything like that, or videos, music. That's a good question. That's a date question. It's a date question. It's totally a date question. (laughs) Well, technically we're we're, we're at a date right now. Um, But no, seriously, like me, I find myself just consuming music more these days than anything else. I don't consume any video as much as I used to. Yeah. You know, uh, music is great because you can listen to it in the car. Uh, You can listen to it while you're working. And so it's sort of, (laughs) it's great, uh, especially if you're on the spectrum, because it helps distract that one part of your brain with something while you are focusing on something else. So I find that music is uh, really great in helping me focus. Right. So I try to use that a lot. Yeah. And it's also like music is not, um, I guess like in addition to music, you could say like podcasts and stuff. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, in terms of my consumption, yeah, I would say like, it's primarily a lot of music, um, podcasts here and there. Um, I don't really watch the news. Neither do I. I just, I just found out today there was a shooting or something. You found that out today? I found that out today. Yeah. I found it out yesterday because, um, a friend of mine texted me about it. Yeah. It was just like, um, I didn't even know this was going on. And then they told me the town and I was like, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Me neither. I don't know if I should feel bad or what, because I mean, it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I can't do anything. Like, you know, I can pray for it and, you know, but yeah. like at the end of the day, like, I don't know what to do. So hands are up in the air and just, 
Yeah. I feel like it's, I, I feel that being disconnected from the news has really just helped my life immensely. Me too. You get more accomplished too. And you don't feel as numb, I guess. It almost feels like a refrigerator buzz. Like to quote Tom York, you would say like consumption is just like a refrigerator buzz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you get numb to it after a while. You feel jaded mm-hmm. and then uh, you can't feel anything. It's definitely programming at, at the very uh, core of it. Like it literally is just programming. It's called programs, right? Like kind of, it's a really interesting concept uh, when you look back at like TVs and I think we've had this conversation before, but like even the screen that it's black and it's like, it's a black screen and most of them are like taking up most of your living room these days. Yeah. It makes you really think like, you know, why is there a big black screen when it's turned off? Just sitting in my living room. It's a big black taking void. Up all that space. Taking up space, but also taking up like just um, the vibes in the room. Yeah. So I removed my TV this week. Right on. And Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And I just listening to music now and for whatever reason, the uh, been leaving on the lights in the apartment and it's just more, I feel without that big black screen there, the light flows more inside the apartment. Oh, I don't know. That's maybe it's just in my head too, but it, there's no big black. It's no black monolith that you uh, yeah, exactly. see every day. Yeah. It's taking up the room as a centerpiece. I and mean, then also the TV goes, I've hung up so many TVs in my life. And it is the centerpiece of every person's household. Is that nah. goddamn television? Set. Yeah, not mine. It's uh, my record player. <sighs> that's that's great. Yeah, I have an old record collection waiting for me uh, back in L.A. That I can't really? wait to grab. Yeah. Oh man, dude. So did you move here? When did you move here? When did you move to to Austin? Or have you officially moved here? I know you've been kind of just like. I'm here officially now. Yeah. Oh. So uh, long story short, I um. I basically shut down all my business ventures in California because, uh, (laughs) don't say COVID. Is it really? No, it wasn't COVID. Okay, cool. No, California screwed me long before COVID. (laughs) Wow, dude. Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear that. I decided that, uh, it was time to go. So I, I sold my home and I said my goodbyes and I hit the road. So I, I had a short stint in Arizona because I have some family there. Yeah, Arizona is uh, a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. That was uh, number two on my list yeah. right underneath we Austin. Some, we got some, uh, some nice Bitcoiners over there too. Yeah, I hope uh, Bitcoin <laughs> like really takes off in it Arizona. Will. They, they, they've rolled through here. I don't want to dox them, but they've rolled through here. We've talked to them on the 16th floor. Nice. Yeah, we got some swag too from them. So it was like really cool hanging out with them that day. I'd love to spend my Bitcoin now once I go back to Arizona to hang out with my family. That'd be a treat. I want to do this, like, I kind of want to do this thing where I just go to every meetup for like, I don't know, for a month or something. I don't know why. I just, I just want to meet everybody. I want to meet more Bitcoiners, but I want to see like how they're doing their city and stuff like that. I'm just curious like that. No, I think that's great. Did you go to any of the meetups in California or in the ones in Arizona or not, not at all? COVID. Oh yeah. COVID oh, shut yeah. everything COVID. down. Dang. Yeah. Parker Lewis didn't care. He did it anyway. Yeah. I wish I knew him at the time. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I left is that um, I decided that uh, I was going to shut everything down. Um, I was, I was also just tired of doing uh, 
my, my industry because uh, I pretty much done everything there was to do and it didn't really excite me anymore. Um, so I decided to sort of retire from that and that uh, I was very hardware focused. So I dealt with like building a lot of systems. Um, I've built plenty of server racks. I've like decorated server rooms, done cabling, cable management, like looked at floor plans and done blueprints. Like, okay, these raceways go here. This conduit goes here. Like I've done everything hardware oriented. Uh, and when it comes to like technology, um, but, uh, I never really got into software and I felt like that was a big mistake. So I decided that I was going to, uh, California gave me the great opportunity to just leave all of that behind, retire early uh, mm-hmm. from that industry, um, then just uh, go into software full time. And so when I made that decision, um, this was before COVID. So mm-hmm. I had this whole game plan set up. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do the hackathons. I'm going to do like the meetups. I'm going to do mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, uh, I'm going to try and like get to know people and get to know people that are doing startups and try and understand the scene and like what makes other people successful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then COVID hit and then all that stuff got shut down. And, uh, it just seems to me that like developers, especially developers in LA and, and by extension, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, like they bought into COVID hook, line and sinker. Um, yeah. And even to this day, like they would rather do meetups on online Zoom or something on Zoom or something. Yeah. I just have like a Zoom chat. Yeah. Maybe do something funky where like everybody wears different costumes when they're on the Zoom, <laughs> you know, just to spice things up. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. I just wasn't for me. So yeah. I felt like uh, that was when it was my time to leave. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Yeah. We, we were just at a meetup last night and it was amazing. It was, a, it was one of my favorite meetups that we've done in a while. And it wasn't even like a, you know, a meetup meetup. It was just like a weekly dinner that we do. And a lot of people turned out and it's a lot of fun, dude. There's it some, there's fun. There's some people. Oh, I finally got to see what you were working on. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then, um, who else, who else was I talking? I started somebody else who, was looking to break into the space too as well. Um, was that Nick? Was someone new? I think it was Sean. I think his name was Sean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah shout out Sean. Sean if he's listening. But um, he was he was a really interesting fellow too. I was like, wow. And there's a cybersecurity guy there too as well. Like he was just like he was sitting. At the, I don't know if you saw him, but he was sitting at the table like away from us. But he was like at the very end. Like yeah, yeah. He like, he wanted to come in, but he was like. Still, he was shy. so shy. Yeah. So I, me and Michael went up to him and started talking to him. Um, That's great. Yeah. I, I feel like there needs to be more developers in this space. 100%. I yeah. want more friends. Yeah, we need more friends. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I think we'll get there. Oh, I absolutely think yeah. so. But I'm, that's kind of one of the things that I'm working on. It's my, it's my yeah, mission. Yeah. So, so dude, you had the whole table lit up yesterday with what you were doing. It was kind of cool. Did. I was man. surprised. You, you, overwhelming. You, you inspired me so much, dude. Like, that's what I love about hanging out with you wizards. Like you guys just like get me 
so like excited about the possibilities of the future for, you know, just Bitcoin. And, and when you were like showing this off and then I was like, Dusty, come over here. <laughs> Dusty came over. He was like, Oh, interesting. He started puffing his little thing. And I was like, Oh, look at this. And then before you know it, you guys were just like full we're deep on. in the code base. Yeah. Trying to figure something and me out. and Nick were here on the side. We were like, uh, what's going on guys. We can't see behind the screen, but no, yeah. dude, like that vibe that we had last night, it was so good, dude. So what are, what are you working on? Topher? So, uh, this kind of starts from the first hackathon that I attended, which uh, one, which was uh, sats by Southwest. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 At the comments. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I've been, uh, doing programming for not that long. Um, but one of the first things that I really got into, um, is, uh, discord and programming on discord, because I like the idea that you sort of have this entire ecosystem already available to you. And there's already an infrastructure in place. There's already libraries built. You just sort of plug in and you go and you can just build stuff. And, and it feels like you're on the bleeding edge and you can like do something really cool. So I was doing that and um, I was really familiar with it. So I was like, well, you know, there really isn't a cryptocurrency on Discord. Um, and, I, and I should backtrack a little bit and say like, before I got into Bitcoin development full-time, mm-hmm. I did do a little stint in uh, Ethereum development. Dude, we all, we all were, I was a big crypto guy, like in 2017, 2018, like we all started shit corners. This is <laughs> yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. We all were lost souls once. We were, I mean, <laughs> how else are you going to learn? I mean, there is no harder lesson than like learning the hard way. Like, I did learn the hard way though. Me too. Like I, when I uh, first started in Ethereum development, it was, um, it was really cool. I have to admit, like, it's really fun uh, coding in Solidity because it's really close to JavaScript and it was very easy for me to pick up. And uh, so from that aspect, um, it's really fun. You, you get the same sort of feeling that I got with like Discord and like these other platforms that allow you to plug into it that have really great APIs. Uh, but then I started feeling like, well, okay, this is supposed to be a decentralized platform but I'm plugging into this API that pretty much everybody else plugs into. And they're the gateway for everybody that's building these apps, these like web three quote unquote apps. Mm -hmm. This was in Fura. And then uh, on their website, they brag about how many developers they have like using their platform for projects. It's like, well, okay. So is this what cryptocurrency is? And it just didn't make sense to me at the time. So I sort of walked away from it and feeling like, well, you know, yeah, I guess you can build something cool and fun, but the fundamentals aren't there. Like this, this doesn't seem like it's going to last very long. So I'm just wasting my time. Everybody's using like Infura and everybody's like using the same small number of nodes and services to plug into things. And it just all seems like a house of cards. So um, I looked into like running my own Ethereum node and and doing it the right way. And uh, it just didn't appeal to me. It just seemed like a mess. Like the whole community seemed like a mess. They couldn't figure out what their can, even though what the rules are going to be, because like they were saying like, Oh, we're just going to like, change all our consensus rules to ETH 2.0. And then they couldn't even consider like, okay, what are the rules of ETH 2.0? They kept changing that. And then they also changed the name. So now it's not ETH 2.0 anymore. 
Now it's just Ethereum again. It, Is it really? Yeah. They keep changing and rebranding things. It's like, it, and it just came so silly to me. So I was like, okay, um, this was fun, but, uh, I, I was here to like do something noble. Like I'm not here to just like screw around and make a quick buck, which is what seemed like everybody else was doing. Yeah. That's what Ethereum's about. <laughs> yeah. Unfor- it's unfortunate. It's literally a platform for that. I think safe said it on like Lex's podcast. He's like, it's the mother a-hole <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> what do you say? Quote for what? The mother asshole for which all other shit coins spring. From. Yeah. That's, and that's like the best safe is the best. <laughs> he just yeah. has the best quote, but it is right. Like it's just a bunch of people that are trying to scam each other. Yeah. And it's a shame because honestly, it's a shame too. Cause there's some good people over there. Like I think as far as like good people. Uh, and then there's some people that have no idea what's going on. They're just kind of they're just kind of going along with everybody else. And I feel bad for those people that are just like, yeah, yeah. I like Ethereum actually, um, as a project. Um, I think it started, like, I think it's roots were, were noble. And I believe Vitalik really does want to make something good and long lasting. Um, and I like the duality between Bitcoin and Ethereum, because I believe that Ethereum does things that uh, shouldn't be on Bitcoin. And so it's nice to have a platform for like, for example, like securities, people don't want to make these tokenized securities. Like I really don't want to see that on Bitcoin. Um, But as long as Ethereum's around, then people would rather just go to Ethereum and do it. So I think like there's a nice coexistence there. Um, I just wish like they were able to kind of figure out their scalability because their scalability seems like a mess. And uh, because of that, it just seems like the whole cryptocurrency ecosystem just seems like a joke to the extent that Bitcoin now has to say, oh, we're not crypto, we're Bitcoin. Even though Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, like it was the first and like it's based on cryptography. So it is by definition a cryptocurrency, but we have to like make this distinction now because there's so much bad press in the space just because of like all the shenanigans that are going on with Ethereum being the mother asshole that springs <laughs> forth all of these shit coins. And uh, it just does seem like a whole mess over there. And I wish it wasn't that way, but that's, I hope they, I honestly hope like they sort of figure things out and they find their own way. No, I think it, I forget who it was. I think it was like Adam back or maybe it was maybe it was a story I heard or something, but like they had told him all these things were going to happen. Like early on they had told Vitalik and he just didn't believe them. And then like, so I, I don't know the stories I hear it was like, he already knew all this going in and he just pursued on anyway. That's what young men do. But like, he was just going to figure it out somehow. No, they told him all the issues that he was going to have, but he just didn't listen. Like, no. I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, we have Bitcoin, we have Lightning. I think we're we're just fine. I think, I forget who said it. Maybe it was Jimmy or maybe it was somebody else. They had said that like all these, you know, crypto tokens or whatever, they're just, they're just test nets for Bitcoin anyway. So makes sense. Yeah. That's why I feel like the inevitability was going to happen. Uh, and that's what you're seeing now is like, you're a perfect example of it, right? Like you used to, code on Ethereum, probably still have a love for it a little bit, but like 
now you're here on lightning baby it's uh yeah bitcoin did the smart thing and, and instead of trying to appeal to all of these shitty use cases um it kind of sat back and really thought about how it was going to scale i think the greatest um part in bitcoin story is that it wasn't greedy yeah it didn't facts. try to do everything on layer one like the developers in the bitcoin community and this probably didn't even go with what satoshi believed like Sato who who knows what satoshi believed like he he probably didn't have any idea of like where this would go um so i know there's like if you read the white paper the original white paper and kind of look at some of the things that he said on the bitcoin talk forums he had an idea of bitcoin being this peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash and it's just it you know for the entire world to be on that standard like it's just not going to scale i mean you have one megabyte blocks you have a uh, 10 minute block time there's just no way you can scale that unless you have multiple layers and it just makes sense because if you look at the way that the the internet scales like we have multiple layers in networking yeah it's just a smarter way to do it and so i'm glad that uh developers weren't greedy and they decided that, okay, we're going to think about um, what we need to do to kind of make Bitcoin the settlement layer and then how we can sort of adopt changes to the protocol, but in a way that we uh, incentivize these layer twos to be built on top of it instead of trying to like make everything all inclusive, which is the route Ethereum did, trying to do everything itself. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, um, where do you kind of stand on the whole core lightning L&D um, a Claire kind of thing, like, um, as a, as a new person coming in, like looking, looking to, to build on different, um, implementations, like which, which one do you land on and why, I guess. Um, I haven't really, uh, experimented much with the Claire. Uh, I mm. really should, um, for LND, uh, I don't have any problems with LND, like LND seems cool. Uh, but, uh, what really sort of won me over was core lightning's uh, ability to have uh, plugins and its extensibility yeah so speak on that like what what's so why is that so significant um just so we can understand so um for core lightning there's this thing called plugins and uh what plugins allow you to do is essentially you <laughs> you're treated like a big boy and you mm -hmm. get exposure to the actual like internals to core lightning. So the hooks that are being called for different methods, uh, the events that are being run. And so you get access to that and you can change things if you want to, or you can add your own stuff. So you can add your own methods that then get integrated into core lightning or your own events. And so okay. you can really sort of build your own thing on top of core. And it's really cool because again, uh, this, I feel like this concept of building a network that's going to replace Visa MasterCard is such a big idea that to try and think you're going to be able to figure everything out yourself is, uh, it's difficult. So it's better to just build a platform that's highly extensible so that other people can build on top of it than to try and do everything yourself. And I'm not saying like L&D doesn't do that. Uh, they might have like some ability to do plugins and stuff. I'm, I'm not sure. 
But uh, what, what really won me over with Core Lightning was just how accessible it was. That's cool. That's, a, that's, that's kind of a reoccurring thing I keep hearing. Um, yeah, you can do some crazy stuff with it. It's, it's yeah. the possibilities are endless. That's awesome. Um, and I, I know like, I know I felt like last year everybody was using like L and D, but now it feels like there's kind of a shift over to like core lightning. Is that really a thing or is that just something I'm reading too much into these days? I don't know. I feel um, like I'm running into more people that are building on core lightning than. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I guess if the, the real test will be like how many people support bolt 12. Oh yeah. So yeah. So tell me, so tell me about that. Um, uh, you're working on an, an application or like a tip chart, right? Is that, is that right? Or something like that? Or Yeah. So, um, to, I guess I should go back to like what I first built. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Sort of yeah, like go for on it. this path. Yeah. We building can... one thing after another. Um, so I originally, uh, tried to build a discord, uh, bot that did lightning payments. Cool. And the logic seemed pretty simple. Um, you know, you just have to hook into lightning, either lightning core or LND and, uh, generate invoices and pay invoices easy enough. Okay. Um, so I put all that stuff together for the hackathon, but, uh, we had two days to work and a day and a half I spent just trying to set up the environment. It was such a pain in the ass to like set up your own node, your own Bitcoin node, your own lightning node. And then like you, you can't really do it on reg test uh, or you can do it on reg test, but like, I didn't really understand how to do it. Cause it's not the same as like doing something on mainnet or even testnet. Cause you have to like sync the blockchain and do this other stuff. So uh, I just, I spent, a lot of time just trying to figure out like, how do I even get to the point where I can start building an app? Wow. And, uh, it sucked. So, um, I had a bad experience with that and I was thinking, well, okay. So what, what, like after the hackathon, I decided to sit down and think like, okay, so how do I set up an environment for myself? So, uh, I don't have to go through this again. And there's like different, uh, projects out there that sort of deal with this issue. Like if you go on L and D's, uh, GitHub, they have this like example, uh, tutorial that you can go through where they use Docker. Everybody pretty much uses Docker for this. And you can set up, uh, an environment where you just spin up these nodes and then you just manually like put commands into each node. Okay. Like connect to this node. Okay, send him money. Okay, on this node, connect to that node, send them money. And you have to do all this manual stuff to set up an environment. And then you can start testing payments. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, now am I ready to build an app? Okay, maybe. Um, but it just, it felt like a lot of work that I had to do. And then what if I screwed up that environment because I'm experimenting? Do I have to now tear all that down and then redo all that again manually? Like, right. it just seems like a lot of friction. Absolutely. So. I wanted to uh, build my own environment where I just didn't have to deal with this stuff. So I started working on a project where sort of inspired by Polar, uh, shout out to Polar, um, where you know, Polar has this app uh, that's really cool. Um, you 
can spin up Bitcoin Lightning nodes on the fly. And then they automatically connect to each other. And then with the click of a button, they can open channels and send money and do all that stuff. It was really cool. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. Uh, maybe I can use this. So I was using Polar and uh, I found out that, well, um, these, you know, it's kind of like an inch deep with Polar where it's like, okay, this looks fun. You see, you get this cool graphical interface where you can kind of spin up these nodes and like throw payments around and kind of mess around with like opening different channels and stuff. It's great. But then you open up the images themselves, uh, which or I should say the containers and mm -hmm. you start messing around with the internals and it's like, Oh, there's really nothing here. So where's all the logic that controls all this stuff? Yeah. Well, it's not in here. Um, where is it? And so it's like hidden from you. And then uh, the images that you use are images that are prepared by them. And then it's like, okay, well, can I modify these? Am I going to break it? Like, you know, it, it seemed like a fun visualization and learning tool, but I didn't really feel comfortable with it as a developer environment where I like really want to just mess and tinker with stuff. So I just decided like, okay, it looks like I'm just going to have to build my own thing. And so that's what I started doing. And then, uh, so I built this project that I have on my GitHub called reg test node. And what it does is it's really just like I crammed everything into a singer Docker file which is sacrosanct in the Docker community. You're like not supposed to have multiple things in a Docker file. Why, why is that for? It's just because they're supposed to be in separate containers? Is yeah, they're supposed to be in separate containers and you're supposed to like s sort of like create this ecosystem where it's one service per container. So that means Bitcoin's in one container, Lightning's in another container, Tor's in another container. If you have like a, a Flask or Node.js to run a web server, that has to be in another container if you have something in front of that. But if like you're just Nginx. testing though, right? Like if you're just testing, it's called reg test, right? Yeah. So um, I didn't like having like 20 containers running in, uh, on my Docker. So I decided that, well, I'm just going to cram all this into one container. Mm -hmm. So like you, one node equals one container. And so if I want to spin up three nodes, that's three containers very easy to keep track of. And within that container, you have a full tech stack of Bitcoin, Lightning, and Tor, if you want to use Tor, plus Node.js or Flask, whichever one you want to use, and uh, a bunch of other development tools just ready to go. And so I built that and uh, I spent two months building it. And now it's up to a point where uh, I have to say it's, it's pretty much complete. Nice. Um, I, I, I've been using it. Like I haven't been working on it anymore as much as I've been using it now to like build other things. And I finally feel like I'm at this magical place where it's like, Oh, I want to like experiment with building a plugin for lightning. Let me just fire one of these nodes up. Wow. Let me fire up another one. Let me like, like see if I can get them to like do this cool thing and interact with one another. And I literally don't have to worry about like any of the other hard stuff. I don't have to worry about setting up nodes. I don't have to worry about peering. I don't have to worry about opening channels. Like none of that. I just literally just fire these nodes up. They're ready to go. They fire up fast and I just start tinkering away. And so I'm really happy with where it is now because I finally, I finally reached my nirvana where I can just like have this environment that I can spin up really fast and then just start hacking away. 
Man, congratulations. Thank you. And so with that, now I'm like really starting to get in trouble. Really? Like, Why do you say that for? stuff? Uh, well, cause now it's like the sky's the limit. So, um, like the, one of the things that, uh, I was interested in from the get go uh, that we were talking about earlier is bolt 12. Yeah. 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 It's like, what, how is bolt 12 work? Like, like, how does it really work? Like, how do you use it and stuff like it's, that? It's so, really interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like we, we've been to shiners once or twice mm-hmm. and, uh, we've run into that issue where, you pay for something with Bitcoin, uh, but you're just paying the bill. Mm-hmm. You're not paying the tip. And uh, we they even give ran- you that sour look of like, they do. Yeah. They're like, uh, oh, tip. this is Bitcoiners. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's just going to pay the bill. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no easy way to tip. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like, I was sort of motivated by that. And I'm sure a lot of other people are mm-hmm. to like figure out a way to handle tipping in Bitcoin. And so the real promise for that, um, I feel is in, is in uh, bolt 12 and, uh, this thing specifically called offers, which is awesome. Like offers are great. Uh, so just like a quick yeah. recap of offers. Um, what they are is they are a template for an invoice. So they're not an invoice, but they're a template. So imagine like you're going to the DMV and you have two choices. Either you can go and you can meet with a clerk and you can say, Hey, um, I want to get my car registered. And then the lady can be like, okay, well, you're going to have to fill out this application and I'm going to have to fill out this, like the rest of this application. We're going to have to go through this whole thing. And then, then you're done. Or you can pick up the application beforehand, start filling it out, and then you can go and turn it in when you're ready. And so it's like, you can save a bunch of time. So like the cool thing about uh, Bolt 12 offers is it's like, um, it's a template for an invoice where it's a few things can be pre-filled out. Um, the, the destination, like who you're paying, uh, the description, um, the, the amount, like you can pre-fill the amount or you can leave no amount. You can have offers that have no amount and just like a couple other terms about the offer. So all of that is like pre-filled and for wallets that support it, uh, you scan an offer and you scan an offer and then your wallet will say, okay, um, here are all the details that are in this template. Um, here's the stuff that's missing. Um, for example, like if there's no amount included, it's like, okay, well then, uh, you know, put in an amount, like how much do you want to send? Mm-hmm. And so it gives your wallet enough information to where it's like, it can construct a request for the real invoice. So the template just sort of helps your wallet construct a request for the real invoice. Mm-hmm. And um, the second part of that, which is magical, is that your wallet then goes, okay, I'm going to request the invoice from the lightning node. Um, now previously when we were like doing things like this, where we're doing this back and forth, uh, it was over something called LN URL. Yeah. That's where you kind of shocked me yesterday. I was yeah, like, Wait, which what? is not, hasn't had yeah. anything to do with the lightning network. It is all just, I won't say clear net, but it's, it's over the internet. Right. So you're, you're hitting another website directly, um, which is cool. 
I mean, that, that's cool in of itself, but uh, it's not over the Lightning Network. What Bolt 12 does is that um, when you scan an offer and you get that template and you decide to fill out in the, you fill in the blanks and you're like, okay, this is the invoice I want to request. You can send that invoice over the Lightning Network. That's what's special. That's so cool. So the node that you're talking to will get that request. They'll say, okay, this is the invoice that you want. Well, let me generate this specific invoice and we'll send it back to you. And this happens over the Lightning Network. And the way that it happens is that uh, in a way where you as an individual honestly don't have to see this part. Like this is the part that is like hidden underneath the hood. So if you scan an offer, let's say it's an offer that has, um, let's use the cigarette machine at Shiners. Right? Oh yeah. It's $12 for a pack of cigarettes, yeah. right? So you I love put, that machine though. It's a beautiful machine. Have you seen it? It's machine. a it's like from the seventies or something. It's so paneling. Yeah, dude. Um, it's, yeah. So it's it going. It gets me going too. Uh, so let's say that we took that beautiful machine <laughs> and we stuck a, a QR code on it, a sticker, not like a LCD that like has to like constantly display something different, but like just a sticker. It's a flat sticker. Right. You scan that sticker with your wallet and it says, Hey, this uh, thing is asking for 12 bucks. Do you want to, uh, do you want to pay? And you say, yeah, I want to pay 12 bucks. So you just hit a button and then that's it. Like the rest will be magic. Cause there, cause then your wallet will, okay, create the, like request this invoice. We'll receive it over the lightning network and then just pay it. And you won't have to deal with any of that. So it, it goes from a static QR code to interacting with your wallet, either confirming an amount or if there is no amount, like you can set the amount. So you can do donations essentially. That's so cool, man. Yeah. And it works both ways. So you can even, there's, there's offers and then there's like send offers. So you can do oh. something where you scan a QR code and you receive money. That's so cool. Yeah. It is pretty cool. <laughs> that is really cool. Man, Bolt 12 is going to be awesome. It, it's going to change the game for sure. Yeah. Cause we're not going to have to be reliant on like a central point, right? That's not even on the lightning network. That, and uh, you won't have to deal with having to generate an invoice for each and every transaction. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the pain point Yeah, because then you have to have something set up to where you have to generate a QR code. So it's like, all right, well, I thought the whole purpose of QR codes is you could just stick them everywhere. Right. That's how it was originally pitched to us in the early, what, 2000s or something? Yeah. But you yeah. can't do that with Bolt 11 because that's just one specific invoice and that QR code has to change for each new yeah. transaction, each new request. So Bolt 12 fixes all that, which is yeah, great. That's awesome. Who came up with Bolt 12? Was it, um, I don't know, yeah, I, don't, I wonder who, did, who developed that. I don't know. I'm not sure who uh, gets the credit for it, but uh, I see Rusty Russell's name all over the, oh, wow. the GitHub for it. So. Thank you, Rusty. It's yeah, <laughs> all in the documentation. That's kind of cool. And uh, I'm sure Lisa has something to do with it too. Oh yeah, thank you, Lisa. Yeah, that's really cool, right? The um, that we now we have that feature. I mean, will there be wallets supporting it, or do you think it'll just take time to implement? As far as um, um, it will take time to implement because. Uh, there is some interactivity required. So instead of just scanning a static invoice and all the information is in the invoice, you now have this template and you have to do this second call and response where you have to like say, okay, uh, let me fill in the blanks and then get a, a new invoice. Um, so the wallet does have to handle that. 
Um, so it will require wallets to upgrade to support Bolt 12, I imagine. Um, from what I hear, uh, Phoenix supports it. Okay. And uh, Zeus wallet, uh, Evan yeah. from Zeus is working on it. I think I saw, right yeah, I think I saw a video of something they released. I don't know if it was the same thing. It was, it was some kind of, it looked cool. I like Zeus. Yeah, Zeus is amazing. Yeah. Um, Zeus is great. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for developers too. Right. It works on reg test. So right. you can actually pair like these nodes here, uh, for my project. Like, uh, I have it disabled now. Um, but there's this like plugin that I had that's called a uh, seal rest. That's like mm -hmm. provided by this, uh, awesome, um, software called ride the lightning, which is like, gives you this uh, really cool interface to your lightning node, lets you manage stuff. It's really cool. Uh, but they do this through this REST interface. Um, and you can also use that REST interface to pair your wallet or yeah, pair your wallet with your node um, on Zeus. So I had a setup where uh, I could spin up a reg test node and like open channels and give myself a bunch of money because I'm reg test rich. <laughs> and, uh, and you could pair your Zeus wallet with it. And then your Zeus wallet will see that you're on reg test, but all That's the other so features cool. will still work. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's great for development because it's like, it gives you that you, you want to be as close to the real thing as possible. Yeah. So That's shout so awesome. out to Zeus for supporting that. Yeah. That's shout out to Zeus. Man. Um, yeah. It's just kind of cool seeing like everybody just kind of knowing what the other person needs without actually having to say it out loud. <laughs> or yeah. maybe they've heard it a couple of times, but like you, like you're just like, yeah, this works perfect. And your, your reg testing works well with it. Yeah. It's just like, it does. well, it doesn't just... right now because I took a seal rest out. Oh, okay. Um, I replaced it with this thing called Sparko, which is, um, I forget who originally developed Spark Wallet, but uh, the actual Sparko plugin uh, was developed by Fiat Jaff. Oh, okay. Man, he, that guy is just a beast. He, yeah. He makes all sorts of stuff. But yeah, well, he He's working this, on that uh, Nostra stuff too, right? Yeah. He's working on the Noster stuff too, which I, I have to like pay more attention to. I, I made my own like Noster account. Um, and, uh, I sort of understand how it works, but I'm not enough into it that, uh, like I have my check Mark. There's like a way to check Mark yourself there too. Yeah, super's working on a super secret, secret, secret project. And he won't tell me what it is. Really? He, yeah, he won't. So if you get it out of him, let me know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something related to that. Maybe he, I he, hang out uh, with him enough to where I can kind of like starting to like understand them. I'm like, Hmm, must be super, super, super secret. Maybe <laughs> I'm just, uh, I asked him today. I was like, Hey, so mouth. I, I talk about my stuff. Me too. I'm, I'm, I, I don't care, but he, I'm like, Hey, so what are you working on? Can't tell you. I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, serious. What's that big reveal? I think so. I think yeah. he's, there's something about it, man. There's something about like creating, like you do this too, like where you're just creating head down and then you just don't lift up your head until you're like <laughs> ready yeah. to say something. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, not until it's ready. Not until it's ready. Yeah. Two more weeks. Two more weeks. <laughs> what, uh, uh, what are you looking forward to? Are you going to Bitcoin plus plus? Oh, absolutely. You are? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. What are you looking forward to for it? Um, 
Honestly, like uh, there is such a long list of things that Lisa, Lisa has scheduled. It's overwhelming. So I'm really looking forward to just this literal lightning round of these small uh, little like um, workshops yeah. that we're just going to get speed run through. That's going to be great. Um, I love it. I, I think it's going to be fantastic. And then uh, I'm looking forward to the dinner because the dinner seems amazing. And then I'm looking forward to the hackathon because I'm fucking ready. This really? <laughs> You're ready? I'm ready to go. 12 yeah. million sats and a trophy. And a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make something cool. Yeah, we all do, right? That's all we want to do. We just want to contribute. Yeah, it is. Me and uh, me and uh, Stakamoto went over there last weekend to go look at the space and stuff, like just to kind of figure out all the audio and video things because we want to, you know, just capture the workshop portion of it. Um, Congratulations to all, all your shiny new stuff, by the way. Oh, thanks to Voltage. Looks awesome. Yeah, thank you, uh, Voltage. Thank you, Voltage. Um, but yeah, dude, I think I think the rooms are going to be the right size. And you're going to have, it's going to, it feels, and this is totally to like Lisa and uh, Sakamoto, like it's just totally like to their credit about um, building base 58. And it, it feels like a, like a classroom. It, it has that feel and in, in that conference. It's going to be very cool, dude. It's going to be very cool. Like it's going to be really cool. I'm like, yeah, I've been working on all the design stuff, but like, They've just been kicking butt on the whole, like setting all that stuff up. I think education is key. hundred percent. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about what they have planned. It just seems like they're ready to just cram a bunch of stuff into my head. Yeah. Well, like Dusty was telling me all the stuff that about splicing splicing is really interesting. Splicing is very interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize it was like a, Swiss army knife of like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, man. All the stuff you guys are doing is really cool. It's building the new world. You know, everybody, uh, it, it's like, like the grand frontier right now. Like there's so many places to kind of put your stake in the ground. Like anybody can come here and make a difference. It's great. Yeah. So there's so many things like I can just like theory craft on right now with like things you can do that haven't been done yet. And, uh, it's like kind of overwhelming, but, uh, it's exciting at the same time. Yeah. Cause it's, it's such a uh, open canvas, right. For everybody to come in. And the, and the, the foundation is solid, like lightning as a network, as a payment network, it just works. Like I go out and I go to these different establishments and I, I make it like, I'm a stickler for this. Like I make the effort to like patronize these businesses and pay in Bitcoin. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Even cool. if somebody like asks me for a cigarette and it's like, uh, or if I ask them for a cigarette, it's like, I'll, I'll buy it off you in lightning. Like, let's do it right now. Oh, wow. So yeah. you take it a step further. Yeah. Cause I want to make sure this stuff works. Like I don't want to yeah. just assume that, uh, oh, everything's great. Like this is going to be really great once it's all ready. So like, glad, no, we're, we're s- using this shit in the wild now. <laughs> I'm so glad you're out there doing this stuff. Yeah. But That's you know, cool. it's so far for the most part, it, it works great. Like I still like, it still blows my mind that I can walk up to a register and they'll have Ibix pay hold up. It is kind of cool. Right. And then I just scan that QR code and like within a second, it's just done. There's something. And that's where I like this. This is where like I go back to like when we were in Miami where we you're just up there scanning. Um, 
even like here at Three Forks, we can do that. Yeah. Um, there's something about that, like, uh, is it dopia? What is it? Dopia? What is it? Dopamine? Oh, dopamine, like a dopamine hit? It kind of feels like that when you scan it. Just in general, every time I scan the QR code or an URL, like it just has that dopamine hit for me. I don't know why. Because for me, I think it's because A, uh, it works. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, this actually works. <laughs> and uh, B, it's just sticking it to the man each and every time. <laughs> well, once we get Bolt 12 going, then it'll be really sticking it to the man. Right? Oh man, I can't wait. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick QR codes all over this goddamn town. <laughs> People will scan them too, right? Yeah. Yeah. People will totally scan them. Some will give sets, some will take them away. Who knows? Yeah. It'll be kind of cool. So what do you got going on the rest of the rest of the week, rest of the month? Cause you've uh, just been kind of just working on this full time, right? At this point, like just head down. Yeah. I mean, I'm still working on it. So like now, uh, pretty much the main project's complete. So I'm actively using it to make other stuff. So at this point I'm just using it and like running into pain points and seeing like, Oh, okay, well it'd be nice if I had this feature and it'd be nice if I had that feature and then just implementing it. So like right now, um, while I was in the lobby, I was working on implementing a hot loading of plugins. Oh, wow. Yeah. So hot loading is, um, essentially where you have this, uh, you have these plugins and, uh, you're working on a plugin, you change the code. And when you change the code, there's some service somewhere that's watching and it's like, Oh, Hey, you changed something. Well, let me reload that plugin for you. So that lightning is running on the latest version. Perfect. So you can just actively develop. And the moment you hit save, like lightning already loads your changes and it's already running within the, the, um, the core lightning core. That's kind of cool, man. Yeah. That in a uh, web sockets, which is like, that's another thing that like really excites me. It's I don't know. It's probably like the most unattractive thing to put in your Tinder profile. You get excited <laughs> by websockets. <laughs> Dude, you're so funny, man. <laughs> the other day we were on PBS. You were like, we were laughing about all this other stuff. I was just like, man, Topher's hilarious, dude. You just say, you just say like the right thing at the right it's time. funny, but true. Yeah, it's so funny, but true. Oh, man. Well, thank you for, for coming on the show. I mean, like... Thank you for having me. Dude, always, anytime, man. I just... Thank you for the beer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's it's just more necessary to get the signal out there that, you know, there's people actually building in this town and they're working really darn hard to make it come to life. And you're one of them. And I see you all the time working. And like yesterday was a perfect example that we're, we're just at a meetup hanging out. There's Topher instead of having a good time with everybody else he's working. Yep. But like this is just goes to your 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 work ethic. And it's just it's it's something to be definitely something to be proud about. And it's just something that I admire about you. So, Thank you. Yeah. I feel like it's effortless. I really do. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's there's so much to be discovered in this space that uh it's real easy to just have your heart taken away and just be inspired. And so I'm just riding a wave right now. That's beautiful. That's, yeah. So I feel like, like anybody can be uh stolen away. Like I have and just like get involved in the space. Like there's so much to do. It's, it's so amazing. Like we're, we're literally building like the next internet. Like that's, I honestly truly believe that when the dust settles, like five, 10 years from now, like lightning is going to eat everything. Sometimes when this place gets kind of 
empty Sound of the breath fades with the lights I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you I knew 